Tonight's Bible reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I uh, was in primary school. I was in year one, so about six years old. And uh, for school, we went uh, to a pool, we were learning to swim. And uh, one day, uh, it was a freezing cold day, and we were all heading out to the buses. And I remember I was freezing cold that day. Uh, and I was, I was shivering wet with this wet towel around me as I was walking to the bus. And this girl next to me looks over and she sees me shivering wet and she's like oh you look cold and she's she's got her nice warm towel around her and she's like oh here take take my towel and I'll take your wet towel I'm warm and at the time I'm like no no I can't I can't take your your warm towel then you'll get cold but she insisted she's like I'm warm anyway here take my towel and I'll take your towel so eventually I gave in and, and so I I get her nice warm towel and I and I give her my wet towel, uh, and, and I wrap her towel around me, and it was just as wet. <laughs> but at the time, I think she, she thought it was dry, um, and so... <laughs> but at the time, she gave me warmth through that towel, not through the towel itself, but warmth that touched my heart, uh, and has impacted and stayed with me all these years, because I saw that this girl was willing to be wet and cold so that I would be warm and dry. And I distinctly remember at the time, as I was heading to the bus with this tower wrapped around me, I remember I was determined that I would enjoy this gift because I knew that she gave this out of her compassion and love. And so I was determined I would enjoy this, wet as it was. More than that, I must have had profound thoughts as a six-year-old. But I still remember this. But (laughs) at the time, I remembered if I was ever in her position and and had something that I could give for someone else uh, for their benefit... I would do the same because now I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of such a gift. But you see, 
We have all been on a receiving end of a gift. Uh, These last three chapters of Ephesians, Paul here has been overflowing with joy. He can't contain it. He's been exclaiming the grace after grace after grace after grace that God has been pouring out on us. Um, And I'm going to just read some of them again for us tonight. And don't get numb to these words just because you've been hearing them these last three weeks. Take them in because these are such unfathomable uh, gifts of God. See, Paul, he tells us that we've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. We're not just blessed. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Yeah, sounds amazing. And he has chosen us to be holy and blameless in his sight. We, we all know that we don't deserve this. And, and if you go to the Old Testament, you see how holy God is. The, the Jews couldn't even touch the mountain he was on, let alone approach him and be, stand before him holy and blameless. But God, he has made us holy and blameless in his sight. And he has sealed us with his Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance. It's, it's confirmed we have an inheritance, and it's a glorious inheritance, and we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, the mighty Spirit of God. And he has seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So the creator of heaven and earth, the, the one who has created everything we can smell, touch, hear, the, the creator of all this, he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I can't even comprehend that. And he has brought us near uh, by the blood of Jesus. We have just done communion now and Easter was not so long ago and, and we know what that cost God. But he has brought us near by the blood of Christ. And he has placed us with God's people and made us members of his household. So we are no longer strangers, but we are brought in and we have become adopted and part of God's household. And he has rooted and established us in love. This is a firm foundation, not a love that comes and goes. It is a firm foundation and we are rooted and established in this love. And it keeps going. And no wonder Paul keeps pouring out these graces and he ends these three chapters. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You can see he's just been like telling us grace after grace for three chapters and he just ends with this praise. And so... Having heard all this, having received all these gifts, how are we receiving God's gifts to us? Just like my story of the girl giving me her towel, moved by her gift, I was determined to enjoy her gift and to do as she had done for me. So how are we receiving the overwhelming, unfathomable gifts of God towards us? We're going to jump into chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles, I recommend that you have them out so you can follow along. It's chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. I want you just to let these first three chapters, these graces upon graces, be ringing in your ears, because Paul starts chapter 4 with these words. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, therefore, or then, or because of all that you've just heard in these last three chapters of Ephesians, because of this, therefore, I urge you, Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Therefore, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And in Greek, the words are literally, live a life worthy of the calling you have been called. God's gift to us, it's a calling. And a calling cannot be received passively. And Paul repeats the word calling here because he wants to emphasize it is a calling. 
Just like the gift that the girl gave me, I couldn't just grab it and say thanks. I, I had to use it, right, to keep me warm, to, to enjoy the gift. So with God's gift, we, we have to receive it, and this gift requires action. And so that is today's question. We, we've been called, but what does God's calling on our life look like? But I'm going to get you guys to turn to the person next to you and discuss. What, what do you think? What does God's calling on our life look like? What do you think God's called us and he's given us purpose? What do we think? What does God's calling on us as Christians, what does that look like? Yeah? Yeah? Holy? Yeah, to be holy. Yeah. Yeah, so to to be in relationship with God and to be kind uh, to others. Yeah. To expand the kingdom. Yeah, to expand the kingdom. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Did everyone hear that? To preach the gospel always and if necessary, use words. It's nice. To live as God's children, yeah. Yeah, so I think God's calling comes in multiple forms, as we've just seen now. Like, yeah, he's called us into many things. um, But it's interesting, uh, and it wouldn't have been my first answer to my question here, but the first place Paul turns to after urging us to live a life worthy of our calling, and for the next 16 verses he expands on this, is our calling to live as the unified body of Christ. It's it's not an individual calling, it's a communal calling to live as the unified body of Christ. What, what does this mean? What, what does it mean uh, to live as the unified body of Christ? I think Paul uses a brilliant image. So if you were to look down at your bodies, you would see uh, that you are made of many parts. You've got hands, you've got feet, you've got ears. I don't think you can see ears, but um, you've got many parts, but one body, Right? And what is amazing about our body is that these very many parts, they're doing completely different things. So different that one part could never be another part. I mean, can a leg hear or can an eye smell? No, they can't do, they don't look like each other, let alone do what each other are doing. And yet, uh, these so very different parts of our body, they're always working together to achieve the same greater goal. So for example, as I'm walking right now, uh, my legs are walking, but my feet are keeping me stable, my eyes are watching my step, and I think my ears are keeping me balanced. I, I don't know how it all works, but all of my body, they're all doing something different, and yet they're all making me walk, right? But now, imagine if my body was not unified. So my legs, they wanted to run, and my, my hands, they wanted to draw, and my eyes wanted to sleep, and my mind wanted to read, and my, my stomach wanted to eat. I mean, can I function? If none of my body is cooperating, can my body uh, do what it's meant to do? I mean, no. And finally, another image is, what if a body is not connected to its head? We need the head. It's, it's this very crucial part of the body. It instructs the whole body to its unified function, right? It's the head that instructs the rest to do this unified thing, what it does. Yeah. And so this type of unity that we see functioning in our bodies is the type of unity that we should be seeing in the church. We are the unified body of Christ and Jesus is our head. And so Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Now notice we need to keep the unity. See, the unity is already there. 
God has established us as unified, so keep it, Paul says. As, as Paul says later, there is one body, so there is one body, one spirit, just as you're called into one hope when you're called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and there's seven ones there which in the Bible is often used for perfection. Uh, so what God has established, he's established in perfection. So God, he created us as one, and we need to keep it, Paul says. It is not just important or helpful, it is how the body of Christ is created to be. And so in these 16 verses about keeping the unity of the Spirit, where does Paul start? Well, he starts here. He starts in us, in our heart. In verse 2, he says to you, to me, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another. So, so in our feelings, in our actions towards others and in our relationships, we need to be humble with others. We need to be gentle. We need to be patient. And in Greek, put up with or agape, selfless love, um, with long-suffering forbearance, love one another. I mean, this is tough. It's like Jesus' words. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Uh, not even the tax collectors doing that. God is calling us to love with his love that is hard because we have to, yeah, long-suffering forbearance, it's, it's tough. The unity starts with the heart. So if you can't get along with a Christian or if there's a Christian who isn't practicing what you, you consider true faith or if a Christian has hurt you or a Christian who looks different to you, a Christian who can't agree with or an immature Christian or a Christian you don't even know, Paul urges you to make every effort to keep unity with them. Why? Because you are one with them. This has been established. Just as the Father and the Son are one, you being part of the body are one with them, unified by the Spirit. It is our responsibility to change and to be humble and all the other characteristics Paul lists in verse 2. And so this leads to the next point, uh, that we are called to be a mature body. Yeah. So we are called to be a mature body. And, and Paul gives us a, a very vivid picture. Imagine a little infant trying to swim in a wild ocean. It's a horrific picture of vulnerability. But that is exactly what we are if we are not built up together in unity under Christ. So unity is our combat to the ways of heresy. And Paul says, instead of being infants t- tossed back and forth, we need to speak the truth in love. Then we will grow and, and become in every respect the mature body of Christ who is ahead. Last week, Steve talked about living loved in community, uh, living love in relationship with the Holy Spirit, but also with each other. Uh, in my towel analogy from before, years after uh, that happened that she gave me her towel, I, I learned that this young girl was adopted. And I, I don't know her story, but I have a feeling that this girl at some stage would have been deprived of being loved. But one day, her now adoptive parents took her into her life and made her their daughter, uh, loving her as their own. I, I think this girl understood what it means to live loved. And when she saw me shivering wet that day and gave me her towel, I think she knew what it meant uh, to live loved in community. I think she knew what it was like to be on the receiving end of love. And so, like this girl, we are called to love living loved. I mean, we've just read the last three chapters of Ephesians. Uh, Our cups are full, so let them overflow. 
You see, there are two uh, very important words in what Paul says about combating immaturity. He says, we need to speak the truth in the two words, in love. I, I read a story about a man, and it's a true story. He had a miserable life. Every morning, he, he would get up and, and he would demand uh, this breakfast from his wife. Uh, and, and every time, he would, he would criticize her if it wasn't cooked properly. And if he wasn't finished, he would look at what she was wearing and criticize that too. And then he would criticize his neighbors, his friends, and he struggled to keep jobs because he would criticize his co-workers and bosses too. Uh, eventually, uh, he became a Christian, uh, but his criticism didn't stop. He would criticize the leadership of the church and what they were doing wrong. And so this attitude shaped his life. But one day, he, he read something about the power of blessing. So he decided to try it. So the next morning, when his wife gave him breakfast, he thanked her for the breakfast and and this left her a little bit suspicious and, and threatened. Uh, but, but then he also started to begin to talk nicely to his co-workers and encourage them and building them up in their work. And, and then at church, he started to defend and uphold the leaders. And he became a, a valued member of the body. And it got to the point that he couldn't even pass a stranger in the street without blessing them. And so this, this man knew what it was like how to speak the truth. But it was only when he spoke the truth in love that he touched communities and became a valued member of the body. This is what Paul is talking about, when you need to speak the truth in love. And so uh, we are called to be a unified body, we are called to be a mature body, but we are also called each to a role in the body. So as I said before, calling cannot be passively received. We have all been called to a specific role. Every single one of us here have been called to a specific role and gifting and have a responsibility for the church. This letter from Paul is not addressed to a pastor. It's not a letter to Timothy. It's addressed to a whole church community of Ephesus. And yes, Paul does name specific gifts in these passages, but it's not the gifts that are important so much as their role. And their role in verse 12 is to equip God's people for what? For works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We each have a role in a spiritual gifting for the building up of the body. So if you don't know what that is, I, I, I would encourage you to start praying because the body needs your role, needs your gifting. About mid last year, I don't remember where I was or what I was doing, but I remember God very strongly give me these words. He said, it's what I give you. That was it. I knew very strongly that it was from God, so I wrote the words down straight away, but I had no clue what it meant. And then about two weeks later, again, he, he gave me the words, what he has given you, he has given you out of his grace. I wrote these down too, but they were a great mystery to me. God gave me no further explanation. In the time since, God has unraveled the mystery of these words, affirming through them and multiple other things, a gifting and a calling that he has given me. And I'd forgotten about these words, but when I was preparing for this sermon, I came across these words that I had written. It's what I give you and what he has given you, he has given you out of his grace. And I believe that these words are not only meant for me. God wants to affirm a gifting and a calling on each of us here tonight. God says to you these words just as he did to me. It's what I give you. What he has given you, he has given you out of his grace. God has given you a specific gift and a specific role for the body. Paul says in verse 7, But to each of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. But to each one of us 
Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And Paul pulls out this glorious picture from this verse. So he carries us to the Old Testament, uh, to a psalm where, where God, he's ascending this mountain and he's, the kings are scattered and he's this like, mighty victorious warrior and he's ascending this mountain on high. The other mountains are looking on in envy as God ascends this mountain and he's ascending on high and, and Paul takes this picture of God ascending on high and he shows how Jesus he has ascended on high. He's destroyed uh, his enemies at the cross and now ascended on high, higher than all the heavens. His power and lordship is now filling the whole universe. And Jesus himself as conqueror, he, he gives gifts to his people so they may be built up in unity and they may attain to his fullness. And if that confused you, what, essentially what Paul is doing here is he is taking our understanding of our giftings to a divine level. They are no ordinary gifts. They are the spoils of victory. And when we attain to Jesus' fullness, uh, we are an example of his lordship who fills the whole universe. So do not underestimate the gift you have been given. And together with our gifts, we are called to become this mighty warrior's body. We are becoming Christ's body. And... Paul was excited uh, to write the church because of God's grace. But I also think because of this mystery in chapter 1 that God revealed to him. In chapter 1, verse 8 to 10, he says, With all wisdom and understanding, God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times reach the fulfillment. And what is this mystery? It is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. It's the same cosmic picture of Christ ascended on high and Christ bringing unity on heaven and earth. And we, his body, are the first fruits of this unity. And I know that the enemy does not like this topic of unity. And when I was writing the sermon, I, it was actually quite a tough journey for me because I feel like the enemy was trying to shut me down because he does not like uh, this topic of unity being preached. He doesn't want this mystery to be fulfilled that unity is happening in the church because he knows that the power of the church when we are unified and when we reach the fullness of Christ. But God, he rejoices in our unity and he blesses us when we are unified. I mean, think about revivals. How many revivals come out of a broken, ununified church? Whereas how many revivals come out of when churches and God's people come together in unified purpose under their headship of Christ? Unity is the power of the church when we are the fullness of Christ. And so uh, it's been really encouraging uh, this week. God has been just giving me, showing me unity in the church in many different ways. It started last week when we were learning about HOVC and our partnership with this church all the way on the other side of the world. But together in unity, we, in partnership, we are being a light to a community in Kosoro. And then during the week, I was on the train and, and a friend called me and they were asking for prayer and I must have said, oh yeah, I'll pray for you or something. But then when the call ended, the lady next to me, she, she piped up, she's like, oh, you're a Christian. And she's like, I'm a Christian. And, and I had this pleasant conversation and it ended with us blessing each other. And, and this lady was a Catholic. And so it was really encouraging how we, we were under the same head, Jesus. And then uh, in that evening, I went to um, a training event for a, a worldwide multiple uh, denominational evangelistic movement called Alpha. And this has reached millions of people around the world. And when the church came together using this and under Christ's headship, and we have been able to reach so many people. 
at college, I've learned about the part, uh, partnering in prayer for people and, and the power of this, how people even on the other side of the world, our prayers are having the same effect on their situation. Our prayers are just as important as them being out there because we can change the situation. And so it was just cool to see how, how in unity we can, we can be partnering with these people. And then even locally here, a friend and I are called during the week to pray for the youth camp during the week. And, and it was cool that we could partner. We, we weren't even going to the youth camp, but we still had a part in that youth camp by praying over it and um, over everything that was going on. And so it's cool. These are pictures of what it looks like when the church comes together and is unified. And, and this is how the world encounters the fullness of Christ. And so this fullness of Christ is an important one because that is who we are meant to be. In his prayers, Paul calls the church, he calls it the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And then established in love, uh, we will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And the reason I point this out is because in verse 7 of our reading today, it says, but to each of us, grace has been given. And in Greek, it says, according to the measure that, uh, of the gift of Christ. Each of us are a measure. And in verse 13, when we reach unity in faith and when we become mature, then together with each measure we have been given, we will attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so every measure is important. Every role and gifting is important. Do not underestimate the importance of your role, this measure you have been given, because it is essential for the building up of the body and is essential for the fullness of Christ. And so we are going to watch a video, and then afterwards I'm going to close. And this video, it's not about the church or anything. It's, it's about foxes. And they are released into this national park. And you see, these foxes have a role in this ecosystem of the national park, just, just like each of us have a role in the body. And at first, it may seem, oh, these foxes don't have a very important role. They're, they're just killing their prey, right? But you'll soon see uh, that this perfectly balanced environment, their presence is transformative. And so we're going to watch that, and then I'll come up to close. So do not underestimate the importance of your role in the church. Just, just like the wolves, they were small in number. They transformed not only the ecosystem of the Yale National Park, but the, this huge area of land, but also its physical geography. So each of us, we have a role. Just, just like the, the animals, the plants, uh, have a special role in these each intricately balanced ecosystems, so are each of us given a specific role for the body, and we are needed to attain to the fullness of Christ. And so are you living in your calling? Paul concludes today's passage with these words. From Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So let's pray. Yeah, God, you are an awesome God. You have planned everything to perfection. And Lord, may your church reflect you. I pray for unity in the church, not only here in PBC, Lord, but I pray for worldwide, God. Yeah, individually, uh, soften our hearts and make us humble, patient people who love others and, and who seek the building up of others, always speaking the truth in love. 
May we be built up until we reach the unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And Lord, I echo Paul's prayer leading into today's passage. To you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.